Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this week's sponsor uh, for this week's episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. We're not doing this as a mid-roll read because we did this live and that would be very rude to the live guests to do, to do ad reads mid-show. Mid so this week's episode is brought to you by Unchained Capital. You guys know all about them. Uh, they've got their two or three multi-sig vault service that are allowing you freaks to use Treasure Ledger uh, and you can engage uh, with Unchained in a multi-sig solution where they hold one key, you hold two or three. Uh, you can do many different key schemes. Uh, you can always move your Bitcoin out of the vaults and into the vaults by yourself. But if you ever need the help of Unchained uh, to sign that second key of that two or three or some another key in another scheme, they're there to help you out. Um, so go to un www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults and go check out their vault program. They've also got uh, loans where you can use your Bitcoin to get USD loans by using the Bitcoin as collateral. So again, www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults. Uh, our second sponsor, you guys already know all about them, Cash App. They're fucking crushing it. Uh, they've got an incredible app. They allows you to buy Bitcoin, allows you to stack sats, uh, allows you to send Bitcoin to the app uh, and send off the app. Uh, hopefully you're not sending to sell, but if you have to, you can. On top of that, they have their boost program. I know we're all very sad about the the recent coffee boost uh, change, um, but guess what? They're adding new boosts all the time, so the, the ability to save money at different merchants is, is growing. Uh, so make sure you go download the Cash App from your local Google App Store or Apple App Store. Use the code StackingSats when you download. That's one word, StackingSats. You're going to get $5.00. Then $5 is going to go to Al's Lacrosse, uh, a charity very near and dear to our heart here at TFTC. I hope you guys enjoy this live episode. We recorded it uh, over the weekend on Saturday. I'm sorry, just getting up. It took a little bit of time to get the, the audio. Um, and so, yeah, this was the, the recap of the week. We had Pierre Rochard and Michael Goldstein join us. A little noted slash TFTC cross episode. It was a lot of fun. Hope you freaks enjoyed and sorry um about the audio when we were in the q a part of the episode you're not going to be able to hear the questions uh um but you'll be able to hear our answers and hopefully uh the context of our answers allows you to sort of ream out the question um we'll do better at repeating the question during live episodes in the future uh hope you freaks enjoy peace and love Thank you. <laughs> it's a crossover. Testing. All right. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. We're in a very foreign studio here in Dallas. Uh, we're at Black Height, 590,571. Getting closer and closer to having every block. That's a lot of blocks. Yeah. Almost at 600k. Almost at 600k. Anybody have a price out there? I'm on the price in front of me. It dumped on us a little and bit. And while you're checking the price, buy a little bit and help set that floor. Um, yeah, it's been a fun week. Michael, this is the first time uh, we're, we're recording together. This is a very yeah, big honor for me. This is how powerful my memes are. Instead of me having to go to New York, I got you to Texas. It's incredible. <laughs> well, that's the breaking news of the day, and that's what we're going to start with. Uh, our friend Michael here has triggered the internet. How does it feel? 
Uh, it's a pleasure. I love it. Every time. Uh, maximum butthurt is uh, what I live for, so. <laughs> Pierre, how are you doing today? Good. I, I had a very diplomatic talk compared to Michael's. <laughs> Yours was really low-key compared. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the way we do these live shows, our third live show. Thank you for coming. Uh, actually, you didn't come for the show, you came for the conference, but we're happy to be here. We've got to give a shout-out to Gary for throwing this together, getting everybody together. Incredible. I just pointed in that direction thinking he was there. I don't know if he's over there. I but didn't even see Gary. Let's give him a shout-out. Uh, let me get the list up here. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot going on, but we'll open it up to Q&A towards the end of the episode. Um, what we're going to start with, so just keep it a little light here, Bat. They announced they're officially going to launch their Bitcoin futures on September 23rd. I believe they have daily and monthly contracts. What do we think of this, gentlemen? More liquidity, always better. So I'm all for it. Now we'll see if they're going to actually compete very well with, with kind of the Bitcoin native uh, derivatives platform, Ledger X, which has also been making progress. Yeah, and these are physically settled contracts, if I believe, if I'm correct. Yeah, so a huge step up from the uh, cash settled CME nonsense, but... Um, Physical settled already existed with Ledger X. Yeah. So uh, it's good that there's competition. Yeah. Um, Do we think it's going to actually launch? Yeah, I think it, they've, they've passed the point of no return at this point. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, also, it happened this, this week. Uh, Binance KYC hack has escalated. Uh, the purse, if you guys don't know, Binance has been hacked. Uh, everybody's, not, I don't know, everybody, a certain portion of their users. Uh, passports and selfies have been have been taken. I don't know the details of the further uh, and driver's license and driver's licenses. Yeah. But, but our funds Safu? Yeah, but apparently the hacker. Uh, yeah, the funds were not Safu, um, but the hacker or the data was not Safu. But the hacker said he's got more info. So we're gonna uh, keep paying attention to that. It's just another example of KYC being dangerous and not effective because now when you have these leaks. Uh, criminals and whatnot can use the leaked data to, to fool other KYC procedures. So honest users end up being compromised and criminals are able to get through it anyway. And it per puts completely unnecessary liability on the company. And what's really messed up is that Binance specifically has a non-KYC account option. And what they've been doing is they've been like ninja KYCing people and if you don't comply with the KYC, you can't withdraw. So people have funds on the exchange, and they're basically compelled into uh, doing the KYC so they can get their Bitcoin back. Yeah, it's almost like a... Hello? Oh. Yeah, it's almost like a weird form of exit scam almost. Like, hey, we're going to lock your funds on here and then hope you just never KYC yourself and take those eventually. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, how, how do we meme KYC AML is evil? And it shouldn't be done. Well, the only way to really get rid of it is to uh, be using BTC Pay Server and using uh, no KYC AML by selling goods and services for Bitcoin. This is an incredible segue to the next topic. It is the two-year anniversary of Nicholas's tweet at, at, uh, at BitPay where he told him he's going to make them obsolete. And I think after two years, the, the product that he, uh, Rockstar Dev, is here in the crowd somewhere as well, and the rest of the team... Uh, thank you for doing what you guys do. This is lies. My trust in you is broken. I will make you obsolete. I think, what do we think, John? Is, is BitPay officially obsolete yet because of BTC Pay Server, or we still have some ways to go? Occasionally, I see BT, uh, BitPay in the news, and I'm always surprised. I actually forget that they exist, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they, they did raise funding uh, during the last bull market. So uh, that's one of the uh, disadvantages of Bitcoin bull markets is that some of the uh, lower quality companies do get the opportunity to raise uh, funding from uh, unsophisticated investors. But look, I mean, I, th I think that they, they don't have the uh, fundamentals needed to uh, become a great Bitcoin company. Um, we wish them luck. Hopefully they will reform and uh, adopt BTC Pay Server on their back end so that they uh, can have an open source back end that can keep up with modern technology. Uh, that would probably be the, the most intelligent approach uh, for uh, improving their business. Well, and actually just make their software better anyway. Is the, uh, are they still saying that like the Bitcoin feed network is, is congested still? Fees are too high? Yeah, they, they, whenever you're using their service, they always inflate the uh, network fee to make it look like Bitcoin is a lot more expensive than uh, the alternatives. So uh, they're also not really interested in implementing Lightning. So again, just another argument to whether it's BTC Pay Server or OpenNode, which is uh, more comparable to the service that um, uh, BitPay provides. Uh, there's healthy competition out there. Yeah, and ju it's, honestly, just from experience using BTC Pay Server for our site, it's been incredible. And we set it up. I think I've only had to update something once in the four months it's been running, and it's crazy to be able to watch from my phone people creating invoices and sending sats it's crazy we're in the future I think it's important to remember the context of Nicholas's tweet which was that uh, BitPay was trying to gaslight and uh, essentially trick their users into using a implementation that uh, it was essentially an altcoin because it, it changed uh, Bitcoin's uh, uh, it was a hard fork that didn't have any consensus behind it so it's, it's a reminder for Bitcoin companies that they are building on Bitcoin, but they are not Bitcoin. And so they need to be humble, right, when they're stacking sats uh, and not uh, let it get to their heads that, hey, we're doing so much for Bitcoin. Now we get to force what we think Bitcoin should be on the rest of the network. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't work that way. And if Bitcoin was centralized that way, it wouldn't have the value that it has. So they need to recognize that it's important for them to protect Bitcoin's decentralization uh, and to, to be humble uh, with regards to uh, protocol changes. Yeah, Matt, any thoughts? Damn right. <laughs> um, next topic, Liquid Tether. This is something that uh, has piqued my interest recently. Like Blockstream gets a lot, of, uh, a lot of snark on the internet for not having produced anything on Liquid, but I think Liquid Tether with confidential transactions may be the killer app that Liquid needs. A huge problem traders have is when they move uh, Bitcoin between exchanges, you can have bots like Whale Reports basically tweeting out that you're moving Bitcoin to a wallet and you can see how much has moved, where it came from, so on and so forth. And I, I, just, I don't know what you guys think about this, but to me, the concept of Tether on Liquid uh, moving ex uh, excuse me, funds between exchanges in a confidential way uh, seems like that could be the thing that drives traction to Liquid. I just think that it's funny that the amount of Tether conspiracy theory is just based on the fact that Tethers is more transparent than other forms of fiat on exchanges. And so like they'll look at the fact that, oh, you know, some Tethers got printed, 
but the only reason they know that happened is because of the public blockchain that it's, uh, you know, that information is being broadcasted on. They don't see that uh, dollars got printed at every other exchange where someone deposited dollars. Um, so it's kind of a cognitive bias that, that folks have due to the transparency. So if maybe if we remove that transparency and we have the confidentiality, uh, then it'll get rid of that cognitive bias that the uh, tether fudsters have. But also, like, uh, let's remember that USD is a shitcoin, whether it's in the form of tethers or it's in the form of a Chase bank account. Uh, so uh, don't be surprised if these things are fractional reserve and run away with your money. Uh, you know, you should be buying and holding Bitcoin, not buying and holding tethers. Yeah, I mean, the important disclosure is that if you hold tether, it could go to zero at any time. I think the another issue that people have with Tether is they conflate the fact that Tether's whole value prop is to end around regulations, specifically KYC and banking regulations. Uh, that's why all these other stable coins that are more regulated uh, haven't really been able to take any market share from them. So people who lack nuance see that and they're like, it's legal, it's a fraud. Yeah, um, people get really triggered by Tether for some reason. Uh, the Ethereum crew thought Tether was going to be their killer app. Is Liquid going to take uh, liquidity from them? I just thought it was funny that they were all on Bitfinex's side until it got added as an ERC-20 token. Now it's like <laughs> the bee's knees. Michael, any thoughts? Yeah. Use Bitcoin. <laughs> sats are my stable coin. Find safety in sats, people. Um, I, don't know. I know you guys aren't big fans of mainstream blogs and following the news. But shit has been going down in Hong Kong. It's a story we've been following here on this podcast in particular. Seems that things are escalating. Looks like the Chinese government has tanks on the border of Hong Kong. And I don't, I don't want to say like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't want to say they're going to bash into Hong Kong and start killing people. It seems like things are getting a little hectic there. Well, it's not tanks. It's like uh, armored Our, people yeah, carriers. yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully it's just a flex, you know, but it's, uh, it's a real shame seeing what's going on over there. Uh, the struggle seems real, and it's inspiring, but it's also very brutal. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see a, uh, like a positive way out here because the Chinese are, are, are stuck where they, they, can't, they can't look weak, they can't back off, and the Hong Kongers are stuck where if they let this extradition bill go through, um, all the leaders and all the people that participate in the protest are all going to get extradited and, and sent to prisons and camps and stuff. Yeah, and even earlier this week, since the last time we met, we had Trump sort of goading uh, President Xi with a tweet um, telling him to, to address Hong Kong, and uh, I don't think Xi took that very kindly. Uh, so that's something we're paying attention here. Uh, freedom is, is imperative to talk about when talking about Bitcoin, and uh, this is something I think we should care about. And didn't they, they were planning a bank run? Yeah, they were planning a bank run. I heard about that on Monday. I didn't want to spread the rumor. Zero Hedge wrote about it, but it doesn't look like anything came of that. So I still think we should be doing a bank run. Naruto run all of us <laughs> on the Dallas Fed right now. Get all the cash out of the ATMs, deposit it all into Bitcoin. Uh, I, I think that the, the situation in Hong Kong just highlights like why we think decentralization is so important. Uh, and meanwhile, in China, like the Communist Party has a completely opposite view of this needs to all be highly centralized uh, in Beijing, and uh, you know they should like control the whole world apparently. Um, but yeah, I've I've studied abroad in Hong Kong. It's a beautiful city, so I, I hope the best for them. We do as well. Um, all right, lighten things up a bit. This is something that's been fascinating me in New York. 
uh, actually sad that we're about to lose Pierre from our from our uh, little hub in Brooklyn. Fantastic news. It's fantastic news for you. But uh, one thing, actually, core dev Matt Corral has been working on in New York, and Matt uh, Odell sitting next to me has been contributing to, is the NYC Mesh. Uh, .net, which is basically an alternative internet provider in the city created by individuals. You know more about this than me, so I'll let you take it from here. They've been killing it. Um, by contribute, he means I literally have donated. I haven't actually yes. participated in any way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an actual working mesh net. Uh, it's growing faster every day. It's growing bigger every day. Um, I think right now they're getting like 4,000 requests. Uh, to they've gotten 4,000 total install requests. They're averaging about 22 a day. Uh, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper than regular internet. Uh, they, they ask you to just give a $20 a month donation. Um, so and it's faster too, right? Especially since they don't throttle, right? So when you mix in the fact that a lot of these internet providers throttle you, um, it provides you better service. Um, and they're literally just expanding this building by building uh, and, and you really see, we're really going to see tools like this expand when you have a monetary incentive to do it. So, so not only do people have more free internet access here, it's also cheaper. And that's the key, I think, is that it's cheaper. It's crazy. You can just route around the ISPs like that pretty overtly in the biggest city in, in the country. Um, you think, I think the, like the city would fight back against that. I mean, I don't think the city cares. I think the ISPs care more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's my thought there. Um, no, but it's, it's a cool project in decentralization. Like, I was looking at the chart, and there's a hub close enough to my apartment. I'm seriously considering using that as my internet now because my internet sucks because it's throttled. Yeah, and that's fantastic. I mean, ISPs are <laughs> terrible. I, I really, like, they're, they're really awful just how much data that they're sucking up about every single user uh, on their service. Um, and, you know, most people, they, they think of various uh, cryptographic tools, like, say, like a VPN, as some kind of, you know, paranoid anti-NSA thing. And uh, quite frankly, if the NSA wants you, they'll get you. Uh, the real reason to use things like VPNs is the fact that it hides uh, data from the ISPs so that they don't know everything about you um, when they also, like, you know, have you right there. They're going to sell your data to third parties, and then those people can make use of that data for all kinds of stuff. Um, that, that's like the, the real issue. Yeah. And the key is that the VPNs you use can then see all that data. But like at least you have the choice to pick from 50, 60, 100 different VPN providers, while most people have wait, one or two ISPs that they can choose from. I'd rather, you know, like a private internet access or ProtonVPN or any of those than like Comcast. Agreed. And it also highlights the, the imperative that we create uh, alternative transaction-related networks to uh, internet service providers. But don't use private internet access, because I think they're either a front for the government, but it doesn't even matter because Roger Veer is on the board, so you shouldn't use it for that reason alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, definitely a front for the government if Roger Veer is on the board. <laughs> well, staying on like the alternative transaction relay tip here, did I see... Uh, the blue mat. I see Matt tweet that somebody successfully uh, did like a channel ratting attack. I think uh, it was like an eclipse attack. Eclipse right? attack. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, just again highlighting the need for alternative uh, transaction relay networks, like support global mesh network, uh, the satellite stuff like that. Yeah. So an eclipse attack is when your node is surrounded by malicious nodes and it feeds it bad data. I, I think uh, Coinbase 
got double spent on uh, the Ethereum Classic chain because uh, their node got eclipsed. So especially if you're like a major service and people know what your node is, uh, you're a bigger target. And, and the way you get around that is you have alternate ways of, of getting the block data to try and to confirm that what you're seeing is, is the correct data. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we're going to go with this. Matt made the list today. And it, this next bullet point just says every Bitcoin wallet sucks. Hardware wallet. Excuse oh, me. I wanted I wanted to talk to our listeners. I wanted them to listen to the Michael Flaxman, uh, Stefan Levera podcast. I thought that was really good. Um, incredible podcast. Shout out to Michael. He's in the room yeah. here somewhere. There he is there back go. there, doing some incredible things. Um, no, it's like one thing. Hardware wallets you have to be hyper aware of the the uh, the ways in which they can be attacked, and mostly physical at this point. But you can also have side channel attacks and the ways to protect yourself against any future attacks. I do want to uh, congratulate Rodolfo Novak and Coldcard for being named by Foxman as the least bad hardware wallet. True honor. Shout out Rodolfo. <clears throat> no, we sat down with Rodolfo earlier this morning. We uh, got the history of Coldcard, Open Dime, Co CoinKite. Incredible conversation. Look for that next week. Um, and... Yeah, just be aware of the hardware wallet uh, situation. Make sure you have your stuff physically locked down, and uh, just be aware. And the other thing is it's important to note that the first thing Michael says in that podcast is don't, you know, be absolute, don't, like, get scared out of using hardware wallets in the first place. Like, it's still, for most people, it's going to be way better than using a custodian or, like, a Coinbase cash app, something like that. Yep. Um, speaking of Coinbase, a company that... Pierre probably should be CEO of uh, a negligence lawsuit has been launched against them for their Bcash ninja launch. So I don't know if you guys remember after the hard fork when Bitcoin Cash uh, went to go die, uh, Coinbase waited a few months to actually launch it on their uh, exchange and they did it on a random, like I, I believe East Coast time it was like 2 p.m. on a Tuesday, like December 22nd during the holidays or something like that. It was just... The price pumped right away, or was uh, uh, rumors of insider trading and stuff, and it just highlighted another instance in which Coinbase has been irresponsible and pretty dumb with rolling out things. It hit $4,000, I think, it, at one point. Yeah. And then we had everyone was like DMing us and texting us and being like, oh, am I on the wrong side? What's going to happen? So, so basically, the judge said that anyone who bought on Coinbase during that, that situation, if they, they bought Bitcoin Cash, they have a case for negligence. As they should. Yeah. So I hope you bought Bitcoin on Coinbase that day. Take some money from them. Bleed, uh, bleed that company dry. <laughs> uh, and then buy more Bitcoins and then with buy the more payouts. Bitcoin. On Cash App. Shout out Cash App. Um, Sponsor the pod. Disclosure. <laughs> uh, it's a big one for you, Matt. You're a big Android guy. I am not. Samsung uh, adds Bitcoin support to the S10. It's pretty big news. I mean, it's, it's extra important because they already had Ethereum support. So that was like a... <laughs> Really disappointing, but but yeah, that's huge. There, you know, I think I think Samsung's the number one phone seller now in the world. So uh, I, they have some kind of secure chip in their phones, and it's like quasi hardware wallet ish uh, situation going on there with with both Bitcoin and Ethereum support. Are you ever gonna hold your Bitcoin on that wallet? No, never. <laughs> but it's still, you know, that's good. It's good to see stuff like that, right? Yeah, it's good socially I mean, as a signal that. If Samsung's willing to put this in their phone, maybe Bitcoin is a thing. Maybe it's here to stay. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I do think that um, it is 
it is great when uh, different aspects of Bitcoin or just cryptocurrency in general continue to bleed into every uh, nook and cranny in the universe because, um, you know, people always, you know, they always worry about the uh, government shutting Bitcoin down or something like that. Um, the United States, I, I think they're all going to become Bitcoin maximalists if they're not already. But um, just generally speaking, the more that we find it in every nook and cranny, whether it's like, I think Google had something in their keyboard Mm -hmm. a while back, just little things like that, that's more that would need to be rolled back in order to actually make that effective. And it's just, it becomes more and more difficult to even imagine being able to roll it back. Um, you know, imagine like trying to roll back, you know, English, you know, words and stuff. It, it takes a lot of work to do. Yeah, as soon as uh, the B symbol's in Unicode, I don't, I don't think there's any going back, right? Um, Pierre. It's the law. Yeah, so uh, you probably wouldn't put your life savings on your phone, uh, but if, for example, you're, you know, you've got a, a wallet for your walking around money that you want to be spending while you're out, uh, that is really nice that you've got a better security than on, on past uh, phones. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is that I hope this gets repurposed for other private keys that you'd want to be using. Um, so it just generally improves your privacy uh, and your security. Because uh, I think that private keys are woefully underutilized in day-to-day uh, -day life. Uh, you know, we're still using physical keys to open doors. It's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, slowly but surely. Bitcoin. We could have been using Slocket. <laughs> if only it ha the DAO had not been hacked, we would be in a much better world. <laughs> Steven, Steven Tools misunderstood. Um, yeah, but slowly but surely, Bitcoin, the roots uh, get deeper and deeper into the minds and uh, psyche of the masses, if you will. Um, this is the last topic we have, and then we'll open up uh, to questions here. Um, India. India has a bill on the table uh, to to make the hoarding of Bitcoin illegal. Right now, I believe the situation is, I was speaking with Adnan who's here, um, uh, and he's got the multi-sig wallet out, out there, definitely check that out. But I'm speaking with him, apparently uh, banks right now are not allowing uh, exchanges to create banking relationships, so therefore exchanges are basically defunct, uh, but P2P uh, purchasing and selling of Bitcoin is still alive and legal. Uh, but there's a bill to to make hoarding and selling in P2P illegal. Uh, obviously, we're against this, but thoughts? Uh, I have a bill out to make India illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real shame that the Indian government is trying to impoverish its people in this way. Uh, so hopefully uh, they do recognize, uh, the people of India do recognize that their government does not have their best interests at heart, and uh, they peacefully... Uh, as they're so well known to do, peacefully overthrow uh, these uh, authoritarian dictators. Yeah, it's a pretty big chunk of the world that they'd be cutting off from big Bitcoin, if you think about it. Um, yes, yeah, so it's just something to be aware of and something to be vocal about. It. I think. You know, we've got um, well, former Bitcoin Jesus. We need Bitcoin Gandhi, who <laughs> does a, a non-violent protest of the Indian government and gets them uh, on board with hyper Bitcoinization. Maybe it's just sending Bitcoin back and forth to each other because there's nothing they can really do to stop it. It's nonviolent, right? It's like, hey. Uh. Um, yeah, so that's what we have for the topics, unless you want to touch on anything else in particular. I mean, this, was, this is the same country that banned large cash bills, so it shouldn't really come as a surprise. Well, it is surprising considering their history with gold and the, the culture around gold in India. For a lot of jewelry, I, I actually don't know enough about the history of gold and stuff uh, in India, but... 
you know, it's a it's an authoritarian government that you know learned a lot from the Fabian socialists of Britain. You know, we would expect this kind of thing to happen. Yeah. Um, all right. This is where we open it up to questions. If any freaks have any questions for us, this is where we open it up. I don't know if that's a solvable problem right now. I think you have to solve identity first, right? But even if you did KYC, couldn't you just, like, couldn't me and Michael collude and just be sitting at the same table? I think just online poker is always going to have that flaw. That's what's nice about sitting at a table. Right, because isn't that like a major issue with online poker in general? But they have reputations and stuff, right? And the bigger tables, they all have reputations. Poker players love Bitcoin. Yeah, I'd like to ask Hasu about this. Yeah, maybe we'll ask Hasu about this, ex-poker player. In the back? I think that might have turned out to be fake news. Yeah, that, that did turn out to, I think it was Bloomberg that reported on, on the, that. But I think that in general, uh, it's not fake news in the sense that that, that has happened in the past yeah. of uh, hardware getting tampered with. So it definitely could be the case that a phone would get tampered with. So that's where really you want to you wanna mitigate the, the risk by minimizing the amount of Bitcoin that you're holding on the phone. Uh, and then you, for your cold storage, use a, a different solution uh, that has less risk of uh, supply chain attacks like that. Yeah, and it's actually a great reminder of something we did not put on the list, but something that was uh, revealed to the market this week. Apparently, there's a huge bug in Bluetooth. Uh, all Bluetooth-enabled devices are pretty much wrecked um, if you're connected. I feel like they were already wrecked even without this bug. I was on the airplane and I turned on my Bluetooth headphones and then started listening to someone else's music. So really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's something to be aware of. And the the, the uh, topic of Ledger, what is it, Nano X or the Ledger X? They, they said it's not affected. Yeah, and it's not affected. Everything's signed on the machine. They assume it's compromised to begin with. Okay. I'm still kind of sketched out having Bluetooth in a hardware wallet. Yeah, so. it doesn't seem smart, just for some reason. Um, any other questions? One bite. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty scary. It's like all Bluetooth-enabled devices are affected, so just be aware. Be aware. <laughs> as far as people are willing to put up with them, I guess, right? Is that the yeah, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no lower bound on how negative they, they could go in theory. 
Um, so we'll see. And really, if you think about um, the value of a bond, let's say it's got a, a face value of $100,000. Uh, if we have hyperinflation where the dollar is worth zero, then the, that bond would have a infinite negative interest rate. So that's, uh, that's the future we've got to look forward to. I was, uh, I was in the gym watching a, a mainstream blog on TV, CNBC, earlier this week, and uh, it's the first time I've done it in a while. CNBC? C CNBC. Um, CNBC. <laughs> um, the meme was just born. It was. It was a great meme factory right here, Michael Goldstein. Um, except, but, for, except for Joe. We love Joe. <laughs> but this is the first time I've listened to CNBC in a while. I don't know if this idea is being floated around for, for a bit now, but there was at least three analysts throughout the hour that I was in the gym who brought up the U.S. government offering 50 and 100-year bonds as a way to help with the inversion of the 10 and 30 year, or excuse me, the 10 and 2 year. Yeah, they're very low time reference. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say it with a straight face. Uh, but um, no, I think that they're, they're always going to try to find ways of uh, scamming investors and they've got a good track record of it. Yeah, I mean, it, look at Argentina and what's happened to their 100 year bond. I mean, obviously their, their economy is not the US economy, but eh, 100 year bonds don't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, three words, number go up. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I get you. No. No. I, 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 think, I think that Bitcoin is the best money we've ever had, and as more people buy it, the price should go up. And I think, Super simple. to add to that, I think we're born at an inflection point predicated by technology, particularly the internet, and we're moving into a digital age, and just, it makes sense that in the digital age, we have a digital money. This is sort of how I break it to people who are first getting in, and then have them ask questions from there. One thing also to consider, uh, you know, the other three words, Bitcoin fixes this, um, which means that uh, any problem that they're having in their life, you can use that as a jump off point for how Bitcoin will fix it. <laughs> uh, so I, I would say um, that hmm, I, you guys covered a, a lot of ground there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so um, if anything, it's a form of insurance. So 
we've got a long history of monies coming and going. And uh, here's one that is digital cash that's native to the internet. And so it's a, it's a pretty good bet, uh, you know, no matter what you think the odds are, uh, given its current value. Yeah. Thank you. And actually, just a public service announcement, uh, a framing that's been working for me uh, with my pre-corner friends is the, uh, the energy efficiency that Bitcoin may provide uh, with mining, particularly capping flared gas and uh, driving the innovation renewable energy production. Bitcoin is the money for environmentalists. It really is, though. Like, that's, like, if everybody's worried about the climate, I was talking to, uh, to Josh about this earlier on the Bottom Shelf podcast, but um, it, like, everybody's screaming about climate right now. It's just asking politicians to print money to, to fix the problem. Bitcoin is literally right in front of us. It is an actionable thing that you can do today to help make uh, energy consumption more efficient. So if you want to help the environment, start taking Bitcoin miners to oil fields and capping that flare. And eat more meat. And eat more meat. It's important. And don't pay a that, that as well. Um, Bitcoin is real snake oil. Who <laughs> <laughs> there? The current state of stable coins? Well, so I, I yeah. Yeah, so I think that um, the stable coins, you know, they've got this collateral uh, that is sitting in a bank account earning interest. So if that's negative, they're going to have to start doing what, what the central banks want them to do, which is go out and make risky investments. So we know how that ends, where uh, the, the investments uh, will not do so well, uh, and then they will be in the insolvent category of fractional reserve banking. Uh, and then they'll have to get bailed out, and uh, we'll pay for it. Uh, but thankfully, Bitcoin fixes this. Yeah, and just a note on stablecoins in general. In my mind, stablecoins are inherently unstable because they're very susceptible to black swan events. Yeah, it's, uh, we've, we talk about this a lot on this podcast. Don't hold your money in stablecoins if you're not willing to lose it. No. <laughs> oh, it takes care of that. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Next I question. I like that legal advice. <laughs> Any more? <laughs> Tabula rasa. We're going to start with the blank slate. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, so I saw this. Satoshi's going to reveal himself in a three-part uh, series of articles 
distributed by a PR firm. So we're going to find out who he is in a few weeks here. It sounds like Satoshi to use a PR firm. Yes, yeah. Um, and Tabula Rasa, what do you guys think about starting out with a, a clean slate? Hey, he did it once, he can do it again. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe Craig Wright hired a PR firm. Yeah. <laughs> that kook. Um, do you think, I wonder if like Craig Wright is like sweating bullets? How did... All right. Well, Craig writes like all the competing Satoshi's. Like I don't like I don't like feeding this dude's ego. But how the hell does Cheddar have that asshole on on their show earlier this week? Oh, they uh, had this guy on too. Yeah, they had this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Craig Wright and I used the same PR agency, so that's how. <laughs> that would have was, uh, uh, that Jimmy Duty always brings with him a little creepy. It's a little weird. My appearance got more views, got more engagement, so I'm, I'm very happy That's with that. Cool. And then I offered, I gracefully offered to Cheddar that I come on to rebut the nonsense that Craig Wright put out, uh, and they were not interested. So I think that it's just another example of quote-unquote journalists who are incompetent and fail to do their job of informing the public. I just want to say that you absolutely killed those Cheddar interviews. Thank you. Man, you've been a little quiet this episode, man. Well, we got an all-star cast up here. I get to just sit here and smile. <laughs> Any more questions? How are we doing on time? Never. No. 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 Why? It's not worth it. That's like my my big like. If I have one knock on some Bitcoiners, is that they they perpetuate these people by paying them any attention. Like, do not engage. Is like I'm pissed that we're talking about this right now. Do not engage. <laughs> the and the noted podcast is a hermetically sealed echo chamber. <laughs> we would never allow uh, outsiders in. Ooh, that's a good question. Damn, I want Kanye on the pod. That's uh, it's my big goal. I, I've invited him on, him on Noted. He still hasn't responded. Yeah. Uh, in Bitcoin world, I'd like to talk to Greg Maxwell one day. Nick Zabo's the one that got away, too. Yeah. Zabo politely declined. Um, what about you guys? Yeah, we, we got the Zabo decline as well. So. <laughs> yeah. You're in good company. <laughs> we fanboyed over the decline a little bit, too, because it was so nice. No, who would you guys like to have on? Anybody in particular? Uh, Mike Schmidt, after seeing the uh, presentation today, uh, we, we want to have him on and talk about Taproot if, if, he will, uh, if he'll entertain us. He could be our first uh, Austin, Austin guest. Yeah, in-person interview. So looking forward to that. Highly recommend the in-person. Highly recommend a Node podcast in general. Yeah. For all our listeners back home, how too. Do you, how do you guys pick the cold open? It's always impeccable. Uh, so, uh, Barry Silbert, uh, also known as Barry Shilbert, uh, <laughs> because he shills shit coins. It's really hard to say, like Sally, seashell, seashore thing, but uh, Barry Shilbert shills shit coins. Um, and uh, he, again, an example of a lack of uh, humble stacking stats. Uh, he, he was the lead uh, person trying to perpetrate the uh, Segwit2x fraud uh, back in 2017. And um, in a Twitter exchange with someone who might be in this room right now, Ragnar. Ragnar, he is here. Um, and uh, Shilbert asked... So Ragnar is very toxic, and so he was, uh, you know, s s sending s some toxic vibes uh, Shilbert's way. And, and Shilbert asked Ragnar, who are you? 
Um, and, and so, actually, no, that was not the case of Noted. Uh, that was uh, Eric Lombroso, who is not here. Um, and uh, Eric was pushing back on Schilbert's nonsense. And uh, Schilbert replied, hashtag Noted, N-O-T-E-D. Um, and then we, we used that hashtag a lot uh, because it's just kind of a bizarre thing to, to, to tweet at someone. Uh, kind of that you're, you're keeping score, but nobody cares about your scorekeeping. Um, and um, yeah, I just organically, we were trying to come up with a podcast name. So uh, when we were starting our podcast and uh, we are fans of running a Bitcoin full node. So noted just made sense. Yeah, and that was our, also like our target, target audience. Um, it wasn't necessarily new people, although they're welcome to listen. It was really like uh, getting uh, the word out to our hermetically sealed echo chamber. And the people in that echo chamber are people who run full nodes. That's, I think, a, like the, the lower level bound of um, who we're targeting. So get I, noted. I listen and I run a full node. So this is true. Um, we've got less than a minute here. Do we do one more question or we just wrap it up? Do we have any more questions? No, I think Michael described pretty pretty eloquently why we have adopted Bitcoin maximalist as a term. Bitcoin standard bearer. It doesn't ring a ring. You, uh, you need the punch. You need people to know that you can take a punch and that you can give a punch. Yeah. I personally just like Bitcoiner way better. I mean, Vitalik can kind of go screw himself for the term, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, I don't I don't think that it's like good to really like latch on to any label specifically. It's just that Bitcoin maximalist, the, the reason that I call myself a Bitcoin maximalist is not because um, I think it's this like brilliant piece of linguistic magic that purpose, perfectly encapsulates some definition. It's that it has uh, emerged as the description of what I am just because of how the memes have worked themselves out, and I roll with it. Yeah, I, I, like, I like Bitcoiner as well, just in terms of saving Twitter characters uh, and then uh, taking Maximus and uh, calling out the Fiat Maxis, uh, who are the real evil people in the world, uh, <laughs> trying to impose violence on all of us. This is one good thing about the maximalist. Uh, you can start just like uh, take everyone and determine what is the thing that they maximize on. Um, and that, that really sets the, the stage for the, the gang fights. <laughs> it's I think like we're gangs gonna of New York. You got the fiat maxis over there, the Bitcoin maxis, the shitcoin maxis, the payment maxis. Yeah, there's maximalists everywhere. Everywhere. And I think that's where we have to end it. Do you have any parting notes? I just want to say thanks to everyone who came out. Thanks to the BitBlock Boom team. Thanks to Gary Leland. Um, and obviously, stay humble, stack sats. Peace and love, freaks. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you for coming,